welcome to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. Couldn't sleep all night, and so it's about 7 o'clock in the morning, and I realized that the thing that's been on my mind while I couldn't sleep is the idea of Catholic evangelization. Well, more than the idea, it's more in terms of how I am as a Catholic in evangelization. And then I realized that despite the enormous amount of writing on the subject of evangelization, including the new evangelization, I'm not really sure that I even know what it is as it relates to me. And I wonder if that's something that I share with other Catholics. I think growing up, I might have had a sort of separatist idea about who does evangelizing. And it never occurred to me, I think, that it would be me. It was more a formal thing. The church had its missions, places that priests and other very brave laity would go out and would preach the good news of Jesus Christ, and they would bring people into the church or bring people back to the church to the extent they had left. So my job as a kid would be to participate in collections for the far-flung places that people were being taught about the faith, and occasionally the not-so-far-flung places in the United States. My job was to go to school, go to Mass, and to pray, and to be good, which included listening to various authorities who had a better idea of what it was to be subject to God's laws. As I said, uh, life was a little complicated, as it was for many kids growing up in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, and 90s, and today, in that my own parents weren't practicing a faith. So the idea of evangelizing to them was not a practical one. The most I can say in those days for my activities of evangelization as to my parents was that I brought home Catholic newspapers and magazines from one or two of the nuns who really were hoping that my father, who they found urbane and interesting, might become Catholic because they knew he was not. As to my mother, I don't think they thought much about her because she wasn't the one who was coming to school with me as much as he did. And I'm guessing they were assuming that she was a Catholic going to church with me every Sunday, which she was not. So here I am, a thousand years later, grown up and back in the church for some 30 some odd years after having lapsed for about 10 or 15 of them. And I'm wondering whether I am in fact evangelizing. So the first thing we have to talk about is what is evangelizing and what are you evangelizing when you are or if you are. I said something earlier about it being the good news from Jesus Christ, about Jesus Christ, and about us in relationship to Jesus Christ. So what's the good news when everything around us seems still pretty shaken up? We were made by God so that we could have a wonderful relationship with him. He could have made us as Stepford people, that is, automatons, who simply were there, but then that wouldn't allow for a relationship. So he created us, and he gave us a choice by virtue of free will that was also part of us as created beings. And good as we had it for eternity, boom, we said to ourselves, no, I want to be God. God who? Not him, me. And thus came the consequences. Getting kicked out of paradise, the 
disorder that we see in the world and the universe around us amid the still somewhat beauty that we can see that tells us we lost something big. The devil is tripping the light fantastic, death comes into the world, and our selfish needs tend to supersede everything else so that we are killing each other, literally and figuratively, through time. Maybe the biggest thing about it, though, if we want to think about it in modern terms, is that we unfriended God, and we are now completely separate from him and doomed, basically. Death is the end. The only one who can do anything about it is God himself. And his love is so overwhelming that he does something extremely extraordinary. He sends his son. Basically, his word is sent and becomes one of us. And what does he do? He takes us almost literally by the hand and walks us through the process. The process is that, yes, the consequences of sin remain. Death occurs. But here's the deal. I'm going to show you. You pass through that door of death. And then if you follow me, if you cooperate with me, if you love me again, not because he needs it, but because we do, you will have life after death. It is because every person in the world is called to this incredible benefit, this restoration of a relationship that the rest of us who, for whatever reason, have been blessed with the light of faith to the extent that our faith can be cultivated throughout our lives, show it to others. Say, look, we all can have this. And all you have to do, and I'm not saying it's easy because we still see the mess around us, is to cooperate with it, to become part of it, to join with it, to respond by choosing him. So how do we share this? That has been the great question, probably through the centuries. Is it words? Is it action? Is it a combination of the two? And who is this good news going to? Well, to Catholics who have left the faith or have just sort of wandered from it to those who are not Catholic. And quite frankly, I was thinking as I was just taking a break that to myself, to those of us who are still within the faith but have to struggle with it because it's not an easy message. The fact that it's a good message does not necessarily make it easy because you're always distracted by the ugliness around you, by the consequences of sin, which still pertain. If it was a tall order in past ages, I think that in these days, when God is being pushed out in every possible way, in every possible faith, that it may be even a more Herculean effort. And as I said, I have to constantly talk to myself so that with grace, to the extent that I am open to God's grace, that I will continue to believe and to act upon that belief. And that is not always certain to me. The truth is, I don't particularly like the idea of evangelizing. I don't feel comfortable doing it with words or with action. To the extent that I would try words, I have found that most people, if they're not already disposed, really do find it annoying and, quite frankly, judgmental. Now, you might say, well, they may feel it's judgmental, but you're trying to do something 
that you both have a mission to do and which will result in the greatest happiness for people that you love. But to be honest, and maybe you've experienced this, when you do talk about the faith, try to explain any aspect of the faith, whether it be the Trinity or the Virgin Birth or the Immaculate Conception or St. Joseph or the Devil or Eden or the very nature of sin itself, don't you occasionally sense that you are not articulating very well or that because you're not talking to someone of like mind that it sort of seems even idiotic to you? I, I hesitate to say that, but it just sort of seems, well, this sounds silly if you don't already believe it or you have done the reading or you have been raised in it. it there's, a, there's a sort of a wall. I always talk about these walls, but I think they do go up. I think that's the nature of sin is that walls go up all over the place. And any time I've been asked to explain something by accident, you know, I'll get the sort of a, someone will be asking a question sort of vaguely and somebody will look at me because I'm the only Catholic in the crowd and will say, what about that, Miss Catholic? So you do the best you can and you usually feel you fell short by a mile and you find that uh, your way of being Catholic either is somewhat inadequate to other Catholics or is completely crazy to those who do not believe as you do. So either way, you're kind of an idiot. But then I suppose, if I'm being honest, being considered an idiot is not a terrible form of persecution. It could be a lot worse, and it's probably going to get a lot worse. I'm thinking of someone in particular who was a longtime friend from college, and uh, she was far more actively religious than I was, or am even today. And I recall that uh, once she was in a car with uh, me and, and as we passed a Catholic church, she did the sign of the cross. Now at the time I was just coming back to the faith in any real sense. And I didn't know why she did that. But I recall that another friend in the car said to me later, well, she's just crazy. And I guess that's where I've always been in the middle of those two extremes. What I found out later, and it was really obvious actually, was that the sign of the cross is made by the very devout because Christ is in the tabernacle in that church, the real presence. And so it's an act of worship to make the sign of the cross. I didn't realize that at the time for some reason. What's interesting I realize about that particular friendship with that woman is that at some point when I was studying psychology and she objected to it. She actually felt that I was doing something that was anti-religious. And I thought that she was being extremist because it is possible to be a psychologist and have the Christian faith. But anyway, at some point she announced to me when I couldn't reach her for a long period of time that uh, she didn't wanna to talk to me anymore. We had nothing in common. And as to my other friend, I think I have the sneaking suspicion that he views me as crazy as she was then. And that makes me a little sensitive. So it's not likely I'm going to try to evangelize in that direction, though perhaps I should be if I do take my faith seriously. But I have to tell you, I'm not going to do it. I think in part you have to take people 
where they are in life. And that brings me to the other aspect of evangelizing. And I'm not sure how effective that is or isn't. Some people say it's wonderfully effective. I can't say, at least from my personal experience. There is a phrase that was attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, but I'm told and have read that it was not made by him. And it is this statement, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Whether he said it or not, it's good advice insofar as there are people who by their very lives preach the good news, who show by their lives that they're following Christ, that they're going down the royal road of the cross because they realize and believe in the heart of hearts that in fact there will be eternal life as a result of it. Then I guess you have people who do both, who can use words to show the good news and whose lives are of heroic virtue. Someone like Cardinal John Henry Newman, now Saint Cardinal John Henry Newman. Now he's an interesting case because although he had models in his life, he went from atheism to Calvinism to evangelical Protestantism to the Anglican faith, where he became a priest, and then to Catholicism, but mostly because he did his own reading and thinking and writing and was such an erudite person that reason led him to faith in the most extraordinary fashion. There are many good books about Cardinal Newman. One I have great fondness for is one called Passion for Truth, which is by Father Juan Velez. I think that there has to be a way to evangelize that is without effort, in a sense, meaning that there's such a humility in the way the person lives that both words and actions aren't forced, that they are really about trying to do good rather than trying to convince, if that makes any sense. There's a book and a movie that I have great affection for. Uh, it's called uh, The Keys of the Kingdom. And I suppose in today's world, it would be considered somewhat simplistic and perhaps politically incorrect because it's about a priest, a Catholic priest, Scottish, who uh, is sent to China to be a missionary. And there is such a true humility about him and such a recognition that his evangelization is not going to be forced. If someone is going to become a Catholic, then it has to come from within through the grace of God and his being a, an instrument, but not one that is trying to get numbers. His true love of his faith and of the people whom he's serving. And that's the main thing. He is serving them. It's interesting that in the movie, the character is played by Gregory Peck. And the other priest in the film who comes and visits him is played by Vincent Price. And he's a man who's looking to become a bishop and then a cardinal and go on from there. So his reasons for wanting the priest to be successful are more about him and, again, about grasping at something. I suppose 
to be a true evangelist is someone to be authentic, as authentic as Christ himself when he walked the earth. To be authentic, I guess, is to let go of the self. And that is the hardest thing because it's the very thing that got us into trouble in the first place. I think perhaps the key to evangelization, new or old, is that we do not become discouraged. And most importantly, if humility is granted to us, that we do not expect to see the results of our evangelization, that we may never know whom we've affected, and that it's enough to know that somebody has been given the gift of God's relationship and that it's going to lead them back to the relationship that was lost when Adam and Eve decided to grasp at being God themselves.